the human element in data breach prevention, and a heist in Taiwan highlights security weaknesses with ATMs. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We begin today's report with a look back at the just-completed ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in Boston. Sam Curry is one of the top minds in cybersecurity, and he delivered a general session address on the human factor in the age of cyber conflict. ISMG's editorial director and vice president, Tom Fields, spoke with Curry, who has a dual-hatted role as chief technology officer and chief security officer at network security provider Arbor Networks. Here's Tom, who asked Curry to put on his CSO hat first on the importance of the human element in how he thinks about security. I think there's a few principles to lay out up front. First of all, most of the spend as a CSO that we spend doesn't help with the primary mission of stopping bad guys. I, I get extremely frustrated when I hear things like breaches are inevitable. Nobody wants to wake up in the morning and, and, and go to work and think, well, it's already, it's already lost, right? Most of what we buy is for a checklist of some sort for a compliance or regulation of best practice. Most of what we budget is based on moving budgets forward from previous years. And so the discretionary budget, as opposed to that which is automatically spoken for, is very, very small. Most of the tools that we have don't stop bad guys. In fact, they're getting worse. The first problem that we have is how do we free up more discretionary budget to invest in new technologies that can actually stop the bad guys? And the second thing is, and this gets to the human dimension, how do we put the human being that's using the tools as the first-class citizen in front of it? They aren't built for five different use cases. They're built to make people more effectively stop people who penetrated an environment. They've, they've got an infrastructure breach. How do we help them catch faster and with higher reliability the bad guys before information is affected or lost? Now, I'm going to talk to you as a CTO. Mm. How do you take those principles and put them into the technology that you're going to deploy for your own customers and and for us, yeah. It, it is one of those things, uh, cobbler's children, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have to avoid that, but there's no hypocrisy here. I can say I need something, and then I have to deliver it, and I only have myself to hold accountable. It's an unusual situation in that I am the CSO for a security company. And so we take those principles into the products that we make. How do we make the, the tools themselves more transparent? You know, if, you, if you've watched a child learn to write, they struggle, right? Their hands, their knuckles go white. It's torturous to watch them get letters out. Same thing somebody learning to type, for instance. The focus on the tool is everything. What we really want to do is make the tool invisible so the focus on the task happens. You, you've seen programmers or musicians or writers, they become oblivious to whatever the instrument they're using is and they just focus on the creativity and the production. We want the same thing in all of our tools that we produce. And what's more is I want metrics as a CSO that are going to be about how many people I can bring to the sharp end actually fighting the fight and how I can get more efficient at what I put in front of them. And that's what I try to get our products to deliver. So I come back to you as a CSO. Yeah. How's your CTO working out for you? Nice, terrible. <laughs> well, it's the CTO of my vendor in that instance, right? My responsibility is to be an agent of change wearing my CTO hat, to drive technology and strategy to be more effective. As a CSO, I have a unique perspective there. I'm part of the community of CISOs, right? I, I take off my vendor hat, I take part, and I suffer with them, and we figure out new ways of doing things. And then as CTO, I try to answer that. That's Arbor Network's Sam Curry speaking with ISMG's Tom Field. Curry will speak at ISMG's next Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in New York on August 2nd and 3rd. Healthcare is a huge, huge target, and it may even be, in terms of ransomware, the number one target. 
That's Kate Borton. She's founder of the privacy and security consultancy, The Marblehead Group. At the Boston Summit, Borton gave a presentation on the new healthcare challenge, ransomware, and incident response. ISMG healthcare editor Marianne Kolbasak-McGee caught up with Borton in Boston. And Marianne joins me. Welcome, Marianne. Hi, Eric. Why among most organizations are healthcare enterprises most susceptible to ransomware? In some ways, I guess you can blame Congress. As Borton points out, the High Tech Act pushed many healthcare organizations to adopt electronic health records over the last few years, but many of these organizations are just not prepared to keep up with protecting that data. And those records are also standardized in terms of the format. It's a goldmine for a cyber criminal to take that data if they can. That volume of electronic data is just incredibly valuable, much more valuable on the street than, say, a credit card. If healthcare organizations are top targets for ransomware, should they pay the cyber criminals? No. For the most part, law enforcement discourages paying ransomware. That's because you don't want to encourage more criminal behavior. And most importantly, as Borton points out, you can't trust these criminals. Just like in the real world with kidnapping, you don't really know what will happen if you pay the ransom. The question is, will you get the hostage back? You just can't trust these people. But I think the reality is this is a business decision, and each organization needs to consider what the impact is on their business and in healthcare for provider organizations. The ultimate is patient care. And if this attack has the potential to affect care of patients, then I think we see hospitals, for example, with inpatients actually paying the ransom in some cases. What obligations are healthcare organizations under in reporting ransomware attacks? Well, the guidance by the Department of Health and Human Services basically says that ransomware attacks should be treated like other reportable breaches, and under very limited exceptions, they should indeed be reported to HHS as though they were other HIPAA breaches. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Thieves used malware to steal $2.2 million from dozens of automated teller machines in Taiwan. Their efforts defy a years-long effort by banks and software vendors to strengthen the security controls of ATMs. We have more on this story from ISMG's security and technology editor, Jeremy Kirk. Most of us rely on ATMs to withdraw cash rather than going to a bank branch. Under the armored skin, the machines are essentially networked computers with a safe, and that has made them increasingly attractive to hackers. Investigators in Taiwan say $2.2 million was withdrawn earlier this month by thieves who reportedly used their mobile phones to command a certain model of ATM made by Wincor Nixdorf to disgorge cash. The heist, which is believed to have employed three types of malware, shows that despite efforts to make ATMs more secure, they're still quite vulnerable. Nearly all ATMs run aging software. They're complex, networked devices that have many potential weaknesses if not carefully configured, updated, and physically secured. About 90% of the world's ATM machines still run Windows XP, which Microsoft stopped supporting in 2014. Steve Wilson, a principal analyst with Constellation Research, says the issue in Taiwan points to a larger problem where critical infrastructure is too reliant on insecure commercial operating systems. It angers me because we've got critical infrastructure, ATMs um, and medical devices, and now we've got internet-connected cars that are basically um, horribly complicated you know, Rube Goldberg machines in terms of software, 
um, put together on commercial operating systems that, that are barely adequate to run word processors. Since 2009, when the first ATM malware emerged, manufacturers and banks have taken steps to try to secure the machine's software. Wincore Nixdorf, whose machines were singled out in Taiwan, introduced security software that tried to ensure ATMs were PCI DSS compliant and hardened the operating system against unauthorized access. Still, there are a lot of possible avenues of attack, from physical compromise to attacks executed via the network. Wilson says it's surprising that more ATM malware attacks haven't occurred. He says that instead, manufacturers should design more dedicated systems that might be expensive, but it would offer much stronger security. The stark reality is that these things need to be designed from the top down to be dedicated systems. They can't be put together with them by systems integrating a whole lot of different third-party components and you know commercial operating systems. It's just asking for trouble. It's amazing that this doesn't happen more often. I'm Jeremy Kirk with Information Security Media Group. Finally, the Republican convention that will nominate businessman Donald Trump as the GOP standard bearer for President of the United States kicked off Monday in Cleveland. Even before the Republican conclave got underway, cyber attackers targeted the convention's IT systems. That's what the consulting chief information officer for the Republican National Committee, Max Everett, tells CNBC. And Everett says he expects more attacks from nation states pursuing intelligence and protesters trying to disrupt proceedings. In regards to cybersecurity policy for the next president, don't expect much from Trump or his supporters at the convention. Since announcing his candidacy a year ago, Trump has little to say about cybersecurity. His campaign website doesn't provide his stand on cybersecurity and privacy issues, except a promise to stop China's cyber lawlessness that threatens America's prosperity, privacy, and national security. The closest Trump has come to discuss the dangers of data breaches is on the hustings, as he attacks opponent Hillary Clinton's use of private email servers while serving as Secretary of State. To cover up her corrupt dealings, Hillary illegally stashed her State Department emails on a private server. Her server was easily hacked by foreign governments, perhaps even by her financial backers in communist China, putting all of America and our citizens in danger, great danger. Though possible, Trump hasn't provided any proof that China or other foreign governments hacked Clinton's private servers. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.